Have you ever gone to a place and found yourself wondering what happened here? If so, this podcast is the place for you. I'm Hannah Allman Kennedy. I'm a writer, educator, and amateur historian with a fascination for places and a love of internet rabbit holes. From the time I can remember, I've always wanted to know the stories of interesting places. From remote forests to bustling cities, eerie ghost towns to tourist traps, every place has a unique and often unexpected story to tell. So join me each week as I look at a place and ask, what happened here? Hello and welcome to What Happened Here. I'm Hannah and I'm really excited to talk about today's episode. I know I say that for every episode, but it's true for each episode, first of all. And then it's especially true for this one because this is the place that kind of started it all. Um, This is one of my favorite places. It has been for a long time. And it was one of the first places that um, we'll kind of see that kind of ignited my interest in looking into the history of places and like figuring out what happened here. So I don't want to give away too much before we get into the episode, but it's it's a fun one. I'm really excited. Um, so today's episode is called Monarch Park, Pennsylvania. That's what we're going to be talking about. Um, just a little bit of a heads up. We have five more episodes left in season one of this podcast. So I'm going to break up the podcast into seasons um, just to kind of have a focus. And um, we will be ending season one at 15 episodes. So just a heads up, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast wherever you are getting your podcast on um, Spotify, on Amazon Music, on Apple Podcasts. I think we're on Stitcher also and Google Podcasts. So wherever you're listening, make sure that you follow, subscribe. Um, That will help you see whenever new episodes drop. And also when um, season two comes out, you'll you'll be ready. Um, Also make sure that if you haven't already, that you rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening. I really appreciate that. That just kind of helps, it helps other people who might be interested find it um, because the algorithms of these various platforms will um, kind of suggest it to people if they think they'll be interested. And so like the more people who review or rate, um, it kind of helps the podcast get out there. So if you've already done that, all of that stuff, um, or if you're going to, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I always love having feedback and seeing what people think and um, what their thoughts are as they are listening. But yes, um, I am going to take a little break after 15 episodes. Um, It will kind of coincide with the beginning of fall and my actual job, which is teaching. Um, And I want to be able to kind of focus on this more. So that'll give me a little extra time while I'm not producing new episodes to be writing and researching for the next batch. Um, So that's what we're going to do. We'll finish this out at 15 episodes. Um, So only five left. It's been a great, great time so far. Um, But of course, stay tuned for season two, because we're not just gonna, I, I would like not to just end it at 15 episodes. I'd like to keep going for as long as possible. All right. Um, so before we get into the main event today, um, 
let's look at the sources. So we had some really great sources for this episode. Um, they include the excellent article, The History of Monarch Park, um, which was kind of compiled by William Passauer. And so William Passauer has this excellent website called oilcitypa.net. Um, I don't know him personally, but I know he's from Oil City. And um, I probably know people who know him. But he, to my knowledge, does not live there anymore. But he just kind of has this whole website where he collects all this information, all these sources, all these memories of the place, um, especially from people who grew up there and haven't, like, don't live there anymore. And it is an amazing resource. I have used this website for years. Um, in fact, it's one of the first websites that, like, taught me about this place, about this topic. So that is a source for today's episode. Also, there's an article by Judy Etzel for the Oil Region Libraries website, um, there's an article by Kara O'Neill, who's a reporter for the Derrick newspaper, an article by Sam Gordon for the Titusville Herald, and then, of course, there's only one Wikipedia page. Can't get by without at least doing one. And then, um, so that Wikipedia page is for the Isaac Walton, the man Isaac Walton. Um, then also the last two sources are for the Isaac Walton League website and the Oil City chapter of the Isaac Walton League website. So as always, those sources are in the show notes. I highly recommend you take a look as always, especially the different articles I mentioned and William Passauer's website. Um, all like super fascinating stuff. And a lot of those articles include pictures that will kind of illustrate what I'm going to be talking about. And like that's, that's a rich experience um, to the podcast. That's one bad thing about podcasts is you can't like see stuff. I'm kind of toying with the idea. I know some people do like uh, visual podcasts where it's essentially like a video while they're recording their podcast. And I am touring with toying with the idea of doing that at some point. But at this point, my setup is a little janky. So um, I don't really want to show anybody that. Okay. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode on Monarch Park PA. I'm going to apologize ahead of time. I often apologize for the audio quality. There just always seems to be something going on in my neighborhood where someone's doing yard work or someone's fixing something. Today, um, there's kind of an issue with some pipes in our apartment, which is fun. So if some you hear noise or I suddenly yell because someone is coming in to fix something, that's what that is. Um... And I say all this, but I would edit those things out anyway. Okay, let's get into the episode. Each summer when I was growing up, my siblings and I looked forward to Youth Field Day. A Saturday in July when kids from the community would spend a whole day in the woods, learning the ins and outs of outdoorsmanship. The event was led by a local chapter of the Isaac Walton League helmed by grandfatherly mountain men who were tasked with passing on our northern Appalachian traditions of resilience and self-sufficiency. The kids were joined by their parents and grandparents, in our case, dad and grandpa, with the goal being to take part in these activities as a family. The Isaac Walton League, if you're unfamiliar, is, according to their website, one of the oldest conservation groups in the U.S. 
For a century, they've worked to limit pollution, protect wildlife, clean waterways, and maintain the integrity of land from overfarming and predatory industry. A big part of this mission is to engage with the community through programs and education. The group called themselves the Isaac Walton League after the 17th century English writer, Isaac Walton, a conservationist and fly fishing enthusiast who is notable for writing about these topics in his books of poetic semi-fiction. For us on our summer field days, it went like this. We got up early and piled into Grandpa's green pickup truck, driving a few miles out of my hometown, Oil City, Pennsylvania, down a remote highway called Deep Hollow Road, which carves up the space between two steep hillsides. We turned off onto a gravel driveway, which wound its way through the forest, on stone bridges over the creek, and finally to a large rough clearing surrounded by thick Pennsylvania tree cover. We joined the dozens of other kids at the main building, where we signed in, got free t-shirts, a different color each year, and grabbed a quick breakfast of fruit and Pop-Tarts. Then the games began. The Isaac Walton grounds, officially called Waltonian Park, covered about 60 acres and a few buildings. A large pond sat at the middle of the grounds, as did an ancient water fountain and rusting swings and slides, and a weird stone memorial fenced off and a little overgrown. A few hundred yards away, a gun range extended down into a little valley, and trails probed into the thick forest like tendrils of a vine. It was all very rustic for sure. The main building and various pavilions had only the bare necessities, and were decorated with a generous collection of taxidermied animals. The head of an albino deer mounted on one wall always seemed to bore into my soul with its eerie red eyes. The day was broken into short increments, and each child was organized into a team based on age group. Then, each age group rotated through different activities. So every field day, we had a chance to do everything. Archery, fishing, lore-making, target shooting with a 22 shotgun and muzzle loader, those were three separate sessions, an obstacle course, hatchet throwing, which I was terrible at and definitely responsible for my team losing for, Canoeing on the pond, fishing on the pond, taking care to avoid the black snakes nestled in the sunny grass, as well as interactive sessions on identifying animals and plants, using various calls and lures for hunting, and trapping. Have you ever seen a bear trap up close? My tibia bones shudder even thinking about it. Maybe to you this all sounds foreign. Maybe the thought of handing children a shotgun and teaching them how to yell pole is terrifying. I confess, looking back on it gives me some of those same feelings, and I've never had to use a duck call since. But I appreciate that this kind of event existed. An educational, interactive, fun environment for kids to learn about the outdoors, to learn the kinds of skills one needs to survive in a rural community. This experience instilled in me a value which I still hold to this day. The idea that education is the single most powerful way to understand how the world works to preserve a way of life, to protect from potential dangers, and to empower people for whatever comes next. Of course, I didn't really think about all of that as a kid. I just liked making a pretty hot pink fishing lure and showing the teenage archery instructor that despite his protestations to the contrary, it is in fact possible to shoot a right-handed bow left-handed. Suck it, Kyle. So why am I talking about all this? What happened here is not a podcast about Hannah's personal experiences. Why is Waltonian Park outside of Oil City, Pennsylvania significant? What happened here? The answer to that question surprised me. 
when about 10 years ago, I found myself Googling local landmarks, as you do. This is a long-standing hobby of mine, scouring the internet for information, pictures, stories about places and what happened in them. Of course, you know this. This is why the podcast exists. So imagine my shock when I learned that Waltonian Park, the place I used to spend field days each summer, canoeing in the pond, swinging on a rusting swing set, teaching Kyle at the archery station that left-handed people are people too, this place was not always Waltonian Park. It was not always a remote backwoods outpost with a shooting range. Instead, it was one of the largest attractions in the surrounding region, bringing families, thrill-seekers, and parties from miles around. This place was called Monarch Park, and it was an enormous amusement park in what is now the middle of the woods. For the 30 or so year span from the 1890s to 1920s, Monarch Park operated in full swing, featuring a merry-go-round, dance hall, bowling alleys, botanical gardens, waterfall, a Ferris wheel and roller coaster, shopping, picnic facilities, fine dining, and more, The park saw up to 15,000 visitors on summer weekends, a number which grew up to 30,000 on holiday summer weekends, according to Judy Edsel's article with the Oil Region Libraries. Situated between the towns of Oil City and Franklin, Monarch Park was just a trolley ride away for hours of fun. In fact, the trolley line was how Monarch Park even began. According to William Passauer's article on his website, oilcitypa.net, Monarch Park began at the end of the 19th century, when John Smithman, a pioneer in Oil City's public transportation system at the time, wanted to garner more customers for his streetcar system. Smithman's goal was to operate a line from Oil City to the neighboring town of Franklin, and he established Monarch Park, then called Smithman Park, as a fun little attraction to entice customers. The trolley line ran from Oil City through the park and back out toward Franklin. A lot of this makes more sense in the context of the history of the region at the time. For more information, I recommend that you check out episode one of this podcast on Petroleum Center PA, since that kind of talks more about the oil region, why we call it the oil region, the beginnings of the oil industry. Suffice to say, this region, the oil region of Venango, Crawford County in western Pennsylvania, was the birthplace of the modern western oil industry. And while the frenzy of the oil boomtowns of the mid-19th century had mostly mellowed, Venango County, PA was still the place to be. Industry of all kinds thrived here at this time, and John Smithman, as the owner of a major streetcar service, was one of the most prominent men in the area. In the early part of the 20th century, however, Smithman sold his streetcar company, and by extension the park, to another trolley tycoon, Daniel Geary, who renamed and expanded the park into the Monarch Park we remember today. For the first few decades of the 20th century, up toward the end of the Roaring Twenties, Monarch Park was the place to be. Parties of thousands of people gathered in the restaurant and picnic pavilion for private parties and holidays. People enjoyed dancing in the two-story dance hall, listening to music from the outdoor orchestra pit, riding on the miniature train, drinking from the natural spring water fountains, idling on the playground swings and slides, testing their strength and endurance in organized races and contests, and of course, enjoying the typical amusement park diversions of Ferris wheel, carousel, and roller coaster. At the center of the park, a 120-foot tower featuring elegant glass windows and a domed roof dazzled with electric light. 
The park held celebrations for holidays like Memorial Day and the 4th of July, culminating in marvelous fireworks shows. However, by the end of World War I and the onset of the 1920s, the popularity of the park tapered off bit by bit. The 1920s brought a greater popularity of that American mainstay, the car. Personal transportation took the place of public trolley and streetcar systems, and Americans began traveling farther on their own for vacations and holidays. By the end of the 20s, Monarch Park folded, and the facility was sold to a few buyers before coming into the possession of the Isaac Walton League. Even though various plans were proposed to keep at least some of the attractions going, none came to fruition, and the various structures sat abandoned and derelict until eventually they were torn down or destroyed by the elements. Some buildings were dismantled and the materials used for other projects in the community. In fact, the floorboards of the two-story dance hall were used to build three homes in the neighborhood I grew up in. There's something that hits me when I think about all of this. When I look at maps of the park layout compared to satellite images of what it looks like today, and especially when I view the many extant pictures of a hundred smiling faces gathered around the playgrounds or picnic pavilion, of couples dancing in their elegant party clothes, of the band members shyly mugging the camera in between sets. This is what gets me about places like Monarch Park, forgotten places that don't exist anymore. To the people in these photos captured in a moment of light and movement and fun, the place they were in must have seemed so permanent, so fixed in the grand scheme of life. A weekend jaunt to Monarch Park, a Sunday picnic or holiday celebration, was most likely a commonplace highlight of the rest of their lives, a small story nestled within a larger one. The people in these photos would have never guessed that a little over a century later, the place they enjoyed so much would not exist anymore, that the world would be so drastically changed, that a young writer would look at their faces on a device they couldn't even conceive of, and that she wouldn't recognize them at all. Have I bummed you out yet? Stick with me. What really gets me about this story is the sheer amount of time I personally spent in this place with no idea of what it was. The pond I canoed and fished in is where the carousel used to be. The main building I ate strawberry pop-tarts in while staring at the creepy taxidermied albino deer on the wall was the site of the original enormous picnic pavilion. I showed Kyle my prowess for archery on the old picnic grounds. I shot 22 rifles next to the site of the two-story restaurant and shotguns near the bandstand. I learned about bear traps next to the roller coaster. I played on those rusted swings left over from a hundred years before. And the weird stone memorial that was fenced off to one side? It was the foundation of the 120-foot electric tower. Looking back, I realized these field days is one of the first times I went to a place and asked, what happened here? Even before I knew this place as Monarch Park, something about the scattered foundations, the random metal tracks half-buried in the earth, the elegant stone bridges over the creek, clued me into something greater going on. It was as if the memory of the place, the memories of all the people who had spent their many hours here, were quietly whispering to me, begging me to take another look. And when, years later, I finally learned the truth about Monarch Park, it was like an epiphany. Suddenly, it all made sense. If this all sounds a little sentimental, that's okay. If you haven't noticed, I get sentimental about places, especially forgotten ones like Monarch Park. This is why this place and places like it are my favorite things to talk about. They're a bit of a bummer, a bit sobering, a bit sad. 
but I think it's a good kind of sadness. It's the kind of sadness that reminds us that life is short, our joy and sorrow fleeting, the places and people we love temporary. The extent to which the world will remember us is limited. We don't like to think about this as human beings. We like to think we're the main characters of the world's story, the center of it all, like a 120-foot electric tower of light rising high above a magnificent amusement park. In reality, we are not permanent fixtures in the world. Instead, we are people, spending a little time here before moving on, experiencing great joy and pain and doing our best to create beautiful moments wherever we can, collecting many small stories nestled within a larger one. Like the many forgotten people in these pictures, our time is temporary and our story is short, but the joy and beauty left in our wake are not insignificant. When I look at the faces in these pictures, I see a moment of life, which in itself is a thing of value. I see a place that was beloved, and it inspires me to keep loving and living the hardest I can, and to keep learning the stories of small people and small places, because these small stories are the best stories of all. So that's what happened in Monarch Park, Pennsylvania. What Happened Here is written and produced by me, Hannah Allman Kennedy. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. Please don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you can get new episodes each week. Also be sure to rate and review so you can help others find me. You can also connect on Instagram at whathappenedhere.pod or through email whathappenedherepod at gmail.com. Send me a message and let me know what place you think we should go to next. I'm also currently promoting my new book, And It All Came Tumbling Down, a novel set among the oil ghost towns of Pennsylvania. You can find it at hannahakwrites.com. Thank you so much for listening, and tune in next time when we look at a different place and ask, what happened here?